Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, July 6th. We begin with a new study on home ownership in Canada, which indicates millions of Canadians believe they'll be in the rental market forever. We get details on the study with Romana King, Senior Finance Editor with Finder.com. Next, we learn about a new homegrown cancer and cardiovascular screening pilot program that's being called a potential game changer. We speak with Mike Kuzmikis, CEO of iCore Health. Then we look at the unique health considerations for our pets during the summer months, from fleas and ticks to extreme heat. Tips on how to keep your pet safe and healthy all season long from Calgary-based veterinarian Dr. Julie Shell. And finally, time to get back in the saddle for another edition of Stampede. But will this Stampede be as wild as pre-pandemic versions? We check in with Dave Howard from the Event Group to hear how this year's version of the greatest outdoor show on earth compares to previous years in terms of the corporate parties planned for the 10-day event. Do you feel like home ownership is out of reach and you could potentially be renting forever? Well, if you do feel like that, you are certainly not alone, according to a survey from Finder.com. About 9 million Canadians giving up their dream to own a home. With some insight into this, we're joined this morning by Ramona King, Senior Finance Editor with FinTech Comparison Platform, Finder.com. Good morning to you, Ramona. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. It's lovely to be here. Appreciate it. So is it just, you know, is it sort of a result of COVID? Is it inflation? What is it that has people feeling just, you know, throwing up their hands and saying, forget it, I'm never going to be able to own a home? Well, I mean, you and I both know the drum about housing affordability has been beating strong and loud for quite some time. And I think that the recent uh, interest rate hikes, mortgage rate hikes, and then just ongoing the pounding of inflation, rising costs for living, I think more and more people are just saying it's too expensive to live already and just I can't get into the housing market, so I'm either just going to be a renter forever or I'm just going to throw up my hands and say it's too expensive. I'm going to rent and not put my money into housing. Can we uh, put a certain age uh, you know, category, if you will, on this issue, Ramona? Uh, Ramona, is it a case that uh, the younger or the older, or does it matter what your age is? What we're finding, actually, is that the youngest generation, so like the 18 to 24-year-olds, the people that, you know, um, freshest in the, in the job community, you know, just heading out on their own, maybe uh, paying their own bills, they're actually the most hopeful. They're the ones that, that really think that, you know what, I, I have the, the highest uh, opportunity to own a home within the next 10 years. I think as you get further into, further as you, as you age, to the 35 to 44-year-old, they're the ones that are feeling most despondent and, and the least hopeful about being a homeowner. It's really fascinating because that's always sort of been the thing as you, you grow up. It's like the ultimate aspiration is to own your own home and, and to get there is all people work towards. And boy, has that ever changed, hasn't it? Oh, it, it's completely changed. I, I mean, one of the things that what we do is we actually at Fighter try and compare, you know, what, what are good scenarios, what are bad scenarios, what are good products, what are bad products. And we're, what we're doing is we're looking at comparatively, is it better financially to, to rent versus buy? And in some places within Canada, when you can find rent that is affordable, it actually makes more sense to rent, particularly if you have the unknowns. Are you settled in this city? Are you settled in this job? Are you settled in the lifestyle that you have? If you can answer yes to all of those, then maybe it's a good idea to buy a house if it makes financial sense. But I think more and more people, particularly Albertans, are saying, you know, I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if I'm here for the next 10 
15, 20 years. I might only be here for five years. And if that's the case, I don't want the high transactional cost of, of home ownership. Is it a, a case, Ramona, that you're, you're telling people or you would suggest putting it off? We're seeing the interest rates go up. Nobody can really forecast where they'll be in a year or two, um, you know, hopefully lower. Or is it just more important to get in the game sooner rather than later? Yeah, I mean, you're, talk- <laughs> you're talking to the wrong woman there. I-, I-, <laughs> I never think that we should go with FOMO. Fear of missing out is probably the worst reason to purchase anything, whether it be a car, that second latte, or a house, right? <laughs> so I-, I think there is a bit of a danger there. I am a big, a big advocate of you have to look at a financial budget and you have to do what's right for you. The, the concern, and I-, I hear you, Andy, the concern is, if, if mortgage rates continue to go up and there is, you know, some strong suspicion that that is the case, uh, then housing is going to become even more unaffordable unless there's a huge correction in the market. And unfortunately, what we're looking at right now is that there's more demand than there is supply. Mm-hmm. And that might not happen. That correction, the, the big correction might not happen. So if it makes sense and if someone has had saved up enough money and if it fits with their lifestyle and their budget it may make sense to look at housing now but again it really is a bigger decision than yes is it better to rent or no is it better to rent ramona can you give us a couple of your top tips for uh, the aspiring homeowners out there yeah i you know as i said i'm a, I'm a big believer in in doing your own math like take a look at what you're allowed to uh borrow go and get a pre-approval from a mortgage lender and then sit down with your own budget and say, okay, what can I comfortably afford when I factor in daycare costs, pet insurance, uh, the, the cost of, you know, uh, food is going up. But when I factor all of that in, what can I realistically afford? Understanding that home ownership is expensive, but it is a forced savings. You will be putting equity into your home as you pay it down as the years go by. And it's also a long-term, when you're buying a home, it's a long-term decision. You know, buying for the next one to two to three years is, that's speculation, but if you're going to sit and ride out the market in the ups and downs, then chances are you'll make a good financial decision with that. I'd also figure out, you know, how do you, how do you, where's your down payment? Where are you going to put your down payment? Uh, is it in a high interest savings account? Is it in, you know, one of the, 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 the new housing tax-free savings account that the federal government has implemented and, and, and will put out in 2023? Um, can you borrow from your RRSP? You know, and, and I would also talk to professionals. Get your home inspection. I'm big on home inspections. You can figure out a home inspection even if there's offers going up on a bidding war. Uh, get your real estate professional that understands the neighborhood and your needs and won't push you into a decision that's not right for you. And really start to read and understand your loan options. Getting the right mortgage can save you hundreds of thousands on interest. Reading some of your tips, Ramona, it, it's interesting because you mentioned realtors within it. Obviously, that's part of the process for getting a home. And I always thought, you know, you get a recommendation from a friend, you look at some ratings, you pick a real estate agent. You say you should interview real estate oh, agents. Yeah. Tell us about this process. It's a job interview. They're, they're, you're hiring them for a job, so interview them. Yes, absolutely. Make sure you feel comfortable with them. Can you tell them what you really need and want, and will they listen to you? I don't know how many people I've spoken to that like, they won't return my phone calls, they won't return my text, they're not hearing me and what I want. want. That's a terrible you know, business transaction, so make sure they listen to you. Make sure they understand the type of property you're buying. If you're buying a condo and this person only transacts in single-family homes, it's probably not the right real estate agent for you because you want someone who 
really intimately understands everything you need to consider when you're buying a condo or a townhouse or a single family home or a mobile home or a vacation property. And do they know the area? Do they know how it's changed, how it's transitioning? Do they know the current demographics? Do they know the demands? They need to know the area. And if you've got someone that understands their business really well and is able to listen to you, they will help you make a good decision for you. Fantastic advice. Great information. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Ramona. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ramona King, Senior Finance Editor with Finder.com. A new cancer and cardiovascular screening program could be a game changer for the Canadian healthcare system. With details, we're joined by Mike Kuzmikas, Chief Executive Officer, Icor Health. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time. Can you tell us about this cancer and cardiovascular screening program, uh, the pilot program, and, and, and what makes it unique? Absolutely. So first of all, I should mention that it's a proposed pilot. This is not a this is not approved pilot. It's just a concept that we've come up with that we've put forward um, to hopefully have some good conversations with the government around this. So I guess it's important for people to realize that 11 of the, uh, the top 14 things that killed people in 2020 in Alberta using those statistics were related directly to cardiovascular disease or cancer. And so as science has evolved, we've come across some very interesting screening tests through our lab partners that we work with, one of which is obviously Mayo Clinic Laboratories in Rochester. And so the idea behind this pilot is to say, listen, we know that when you catch cancer early, survivability on a five-year basis is is quite high. It's high 90s, right? 99%, for example, for breast cancer. When you catch cancer in your late stages, you're down to 30% or lower. So there's a dramatic difference on the humanitarian side and it's in your interest to try and catch these as much as possible. On the financial side, which we're always trying to get a better bang for our buck, right, with the healthcare dollars, if you are able to treat early stage cancer and earlier stage cardiovascular disease versus late stage, you're talking about potential significant cost savings, right? We've, we've sort of looked at some of the numbers that are available in the public data, and it's, as we can, our best guess is you're somewhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 every time somebody has a adverse event, whether that's, you know, $8,000 a night for acute care in the hospital, $6,000 a month for uh, chemotherapy. Obviously, you have your, all your doctors, physicians involved, surgery costs. So the idea behind this pilot that we put forward is to say, hey, we've got some very high accuracy screening tests. Let's run, you know, a thousand person pilot on the asymptomatic population between the ages of 15 and 75, where your high risk is. And let's see what the incident rate is that comes out of that. If you are able to catch enough people with early-stage cancer and early-stage cardiovascular disease that the cost savings of the long-term, you know, the long-term cost savings would offset the cost of testing, then you have grounds for a, a very scalable and potentially massive impact uh, on their healthcare system and, you know, capacity and budgets and everything. So it's, uh, it's a concept. We've put together a couple different tests that we've come across here over the last two years, and we've, we've packaged that up. And we've put it into a proposal for the government. We've set that in. And so um, that's it. We're going to hopefully hear back from them and see if there's interest. Maybe it's not the test that we put forward, but I think the concept itself certainly has legs. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really curious to see how it goes. It's brilliant. I mean, you know, the, the cost savings obviously is huge, but potentially the, the life-saving benefits as well. So can you kind of just give us a, a brief description of what we're doing differently now then in terms of screening? What, you know, how that screening looks different now as opposed to yesterday? Sure. And, and honestly, I'm not, um, my background is not mm-hmm. in this field, right? I'm not in Just sort of basic. I'm, I'm from curious. A, from a, 
Yeah, so, I mean, typically with your healthcare system, you know, people like to joke that it's called sick care, but essentially you, unless you have a reason, right, to go to your doctor, you're not feeling well, something's wrong, you have pain, you're not generally going to go in uh, and, and seek, you know, uh, advice or help. And so what we're seeing is that a lot of these issues are being caught when it's, you know, stage three, right. stage four, when there's something really wrong with you. And by the time they can get these diagnoses done, it's too late. Whereas now, with the technology the way it's come, you can take one vial of blood and this cancer test that we have, it's called Aristotle from one of our lab partners, stage zero. It can scan for 10 cancers with the one blood sample with, with relatively high specificity for all 10 panels. So Amazing. it's the, the unfortunate part is that it's because, you know, good science costs money. It's, it's, a, you know, it's about a 2000 to $2,400 test. And so asking Albertans to pay out of pocket for that every, you know, every few years, it's just not a realistic thing. So you have to make the business case that, hey, government, by spending money now on this sort of testing and catching these issues, if there's a high enough prevalence rate in the population, you're saving multiples of that down the road. So we've shown in the numbers that I were running, if, if you were, say, we did this pilot uh, on a thousand people and say the incidence rate, you know, you're coming back with, say, 4%, 4% of the people have something. That is what I've shown to be about the break-even cost for this program. So if you catch 40 out of a thousand, you're basically saving down the road what you're spending on testing and it's a break even plus the humanitarian side you're saving mm-hmm. saving lives right if you go up to five percent six percent if you get up to seven percent incidence rate so 70 out of a thousand you're talking multiple billions of dollars of savings down the long term potentially so i think the potential impact of the program is worth exploring and throwing a little bit of money here up front to see you know what is i don't know if yeah. anyone's ever done an asymptomatic screen of the population yeah. what what does that look like? Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there for time, Mike, but we really appreciate the information. Very ambitious. We like you, uh, like your uh, description this morning for us. Thanks. Yeah, not a problem. That is Mike Kuzmikis, uh, Chief Executive Officer for i Health. More online at i and that's I-C-H-O-R health.ca. If your summer plans involve your furry companion, you'll need to know how to protect them and keep them safe while traveling and exploring the great outdoors. Joining us with expert insight is Dr. Julie Schell, a veterinarian at Bow Bottom Vets. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning. Uh, good to talk to you again. And Thank uh, you, too. It's a timely uh, conversation in that a couple of things where you have to be concerned about. Obviously, you know, ticks and uh, things that come along with the summer months, taking our pets out and about. But let's let's start with the heat yes. and, uh, you know, how harmful heat can be to our pets. Oh, it's really scary. We see heat stroke even inside people's homes. There are many, many, many brachycephalic dogs and even dogs that don't have a short nose that are not really tolerant with heat. Like, it's amazing. In Calgary especially, we have a lot of really furry dogs because people like dogs that can handle the winters well Mm -hmm. and like to go in the snow but then that means that it's even more challenging for them to handle the summer months and so we definitely want to watch outside as well as inside environments for our pets okay so let's talk julie then about the the ticks and the fleas it's always an issue uh, the flea thing but i I didn't think we had ticks necessarily in alberta we absolutely do and we feel that some of the times it's from migratory birds we have beautiful bird populations in calgary fish creek park is fantastic for that and so they can actually drop the ticks right from their back onto the dog as they're in the backyard of your very home so it's quite scary and they can even transfer it from um, the grass and so it's not necessarily like um, as uncommon as people think we see ticks every year here in calgary 
Let's talk about perhaps those shots that are seasonal dependent that we should be looking at for, for our dogs and cats. Are there special seasonal uh, considerations? Absolutely. Vaccinations for leptospirosis are especially important during the summer months, and they are very important for dogs that are swimming or going into pond waters, or a lot of animals go to the countryside and visit with livestock like dogs and cats. And so there's definitely a higher chance of leptospirosis transfer there. And same thing, deworming is important. Vaccinating also, of course, for like vac- um, rabies as well as December. People often forget about that, but a lot of animals will be intermingling with wildlife. And there is rabies in Canada. We see it every year as well. And so it's very important to keep up on your rabies vaccinations and distemper, which is also very common in wildlife animals. And so it's good to get your dogs protected. Talk to your veterinarian for sure about what protective vaccinations are required. We love to travel with our pets. Uh, I don't think as many people fly with them these days, but sometimes you have no choice. So uh, how stressful is air travel for pets and and how can people make it a little easier on their furry friends? It's very stressful and most animals don't like it unless they've been really habituated at a young age to use a kennel. I really like it if they are able to be inside the cabin underneath the owner's seat so that the owner can watch them and adhere to their needs every moment of the way. We also have to ask ourselves, does our pet really want to come with us? Do they want to enjoy the warm temperatures or would they rather stay in a nice air conditioning boarding center or facility like like your friend's home? But yeah, definitely on the airplane, there's essential oil therapy. Your veterinarian can provide anti-emetics, like anti-nauseants beforehand and, and little mild gentle sedatives might be very helpful, but your veterinarian has the best kind. Like we don't just want to recommend things that are like over the counter. Like there's really good technology now that can help your pet stay calm, um, but yet safe and wake up properly. Absolutely. And yeah, essential is a great bringing them toys are very important that smell like your house. Things that remind them, like that trigger the limbic system, the, the memory of the, of the brain of the dog that helps them remember and feel good is very good. And, and little tiny treats as well to keep them occupied. Uh, Dr. Shell, let's talk about something closer to home, but it is a seasonal, I guess, concern. The loud noises that come from thunderstorms this time of the year and even uh, fireworks as we as humans celebrate. How can we keep our uh, pets calm? Absolutely. There's really good sedatives. Like we find essential oils absolutely fantastic. They're Mm. often like unknown, but given safely with the use of your veterinarian skills, like it's really effective to help relax them. There's even pheromone sprays that only a dog can smell. They're kind of like a a hormone almost that, that, that really help relax dogs. There's also sedatives. Keeping your dog busy, they always say a tired dog is a happy dog, so keeping them busy during the day, lots of walks, lots of new activities, toys, bringing them to daycare helps tire them out because they get to socialize amongst other healthy vaccinated animals. Bringing them to things like um, dog classes when it's COVID-friendly and COVID-safe is very helpful. So the main thing is keeping your dog occupied, getting him socialized ahead of time to different noises and desensitized. Like basically when he hears thunder, give him a reward or give him a massage therapy or give him some essential oil therapy to relax him when he does hear that noise so that he can associate like something like a positive thing or a treat with the loud noise is called positive reinforcement and desensitization of negative um, stimuli. Great information, great reminders. Thanks so much for joining us, Julie. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, you. Andrew. Julie Shell is a veterinarian at Bow Bottom Vets. It's bowbottomvet.com. Is your company throwing the traditional stampede events, stampede parties, if you will? And what does the return of company events tell us about the state of our local economy? Joining us to discuss is Dave Howard, president of the Events Group. Good morning to you, Dave. 
Howdy. How's everyone doing? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. So if you can tell us uh, your bird's eye view, what are you seeing? Have you, have you seen a lot of requests for company events during Stampede uh, this year? Yeah, certainly we're back. Um, you know, for two, three years there, it was uh, nothing. And now we're, companies are coming back with planning more Stampede events. We plan uh, traditionally larger events with high-profile musical artists. So uh, that end for us has been great, but... Nice to see companies back, and nice to see them also tying in charities and giving back to the community as they do it. Dave, it was really, you know, the big oil and gas companies that put on the big shows, the big pre-stampede or stampede parties. Is it them we're seeing really kind of coming back, and and is it to the levels of pre-pandemic? It's certainly not at the levels of pre-pandemic, uh, certainly not. I don't know if it'll ever get back there, quite frankly. I think um, optics aren't great for those sort of things. We specialize in that 500-plus uh, guest attendance. So we're getting a mix, though. It's not just oil and gas. A lot of tech companies in the city rewarding their employees, you know, their, their uh, current clients and, and using it to bring in new clients as well. So when we talk about this year, again, you're not saying pre-pandemic, but are you seeing seeing a scale back to a certain extent, Dave, or are these the same size that, a, for example, if I own an accounting firm and would have a party for 50 people, is that about the same? Or are you seeing smaller versions? No, I mean, again, we deal with the larger events. I mean, we have a massive one tonight out in the, out in the country. I've got 1,200 people, headline artists coming. Uh, so dollars are being spent. As a whole, I think people are scaling back in regards to what they're offering at the events. It's not all you can drink sort of thing or the food. There's drink tickets involved. And um, so I think there is a bit of a scale back. There's this um, cautious optimism, I suppose. Uh, we're looking, our events are really looking bigger and better more towards the end of this year. It's just starting to kind of come back right now. What do you think that says, Dave, for the local economy, for the Calgary economy, when businesses start throwing these parties and, and throwing some money around, quite frankly? Well, I think it's great for, for every business out there, large, small businesses. The problem that exists right now is staffing. I mean, we've got events. We had turned down two events because we couldn't. Our suppliers in the audiovisual departments, they couldn't bring in sound techs, camera operators, um, that's a massive problem. Caterer companies having a hard time staffing. This is where the issue is, and this is where the clog is in the whole thing. Interesting times. Good to see that we've got, uh, you know, back on in the saddle and uh, seeing some of these events. Uh, great news for Albertans and uh, for Calgarians specifically. Thank you so much for your time, Dave. No, it's great to have be back on with you guys, and uh, happy Stampede, everyone. Play safe out there. Hey, thank you. Take care. That is... Uh, Dave Howard, president of the Event Group. You can find out more uh, what his group does at eventgroup.ca. Okay, you know, we're talking about things coming back, and, and Dave touched on it. The The big problem here is actually the people to staff these uh, venues, these events, these restaurants, anything like that. And I saw a really uh, a quite poignant uh, post from Stephen Deere on Facebook this morning. He, of course, is the owner of Modern Steak, Modern Burger. Yeah. And uh, it's quite a long post, but the gist of it is, you know, he's saying, you know, the lack of staff, inflation, supply chain issues leading to mass burnout and rampant anxiety and mental illness in the industry of hospitality. He's saying that business owners that were working 60 hours a week now working 80 plus, it's not sustainable because they can't find staff. There's nobody who's willing to work and work a lot like they might have in the past and that is really causing it's causing big closures it's causing restaurants i was in sarnia ontario for the weekend Uh, i'm seeing a friend's wedding 
and there were a bunch of restaurants, but they were only open for either breakfast or lunch or dinner. Rarely Not did you the find whole day. no because they didn't have enough staff. Nowhere in the, the whole city of Sarnia did they have enough staff to have all of the restaurants open all of the time. That's something that, you know Dave Howard from the event group just referenced is that that's something that is hampering. You know maybe perhaps more parties and celebrations. But I think if you bring it around, Sue, I think that. Like he said, maybe never like it used to be. And it used to be opulent food and open bars. And this is maybe when oil and gas was just really clicking Mm -hmm. big time. And the streets were paved with gold, Um, black gold that was. But, you know, it's it's. What, what does it take? I I don't think you need that. But I think you, you, you need to make your employees feel. You know, like they're appreciated. So maybe it is a, a drink ticket or two and a, a beef on a bun. Yeah. So there's something to be said about bringing up staff morale. If depending on where you are with with COVID protocols and, and maybe if you Absolutely. have people in the office. I mean, everybody knows. Well, everybody assumes that they know that the company they work for is making money. But sometimes the employees don't feel like there's any kind of trickle down. And let's face it, we've been talking about that all morning. You know, what are companies offering to their employees if it's not a stampede party? Is it, you know, is it better benefits? Is it mental health coverage? Is it better glasses or optical coverage? You know, people are looking around for that now because... They are willing to take yeah. that time to not work, to look for what company, what business is best suited for them. And, you know, and it's not and it's not within the benefit package, but that, you know, pat on the back with a little bit of a function for an hour or two mm-hmm. perhaps goes a long way. Perhaps if you hear your friends uh, or maybe even some of your competitors talking about how their companies sure. do things, there might be that draw, that feeling of appreciation and, and uh, the team building to mm-hmm. a large extent. So. You know, I just also wanted to say Dave Howard forgot to mention that um, they missed sending us tickets or any of us tickets. The, said? the big party tonight out in the country. Where is that? You said 1,200 people. Yeah, gonna be with a headline entertainment. Are you performing tonight anywhere, Sue? I, I don't, um, I'm not. Are you? <laughs> uh, not suitable for... Uh, <laughs> hey, so, but it, you put it out there on the text line. Are you going to a stampede function yeah. with, within your company? What's mm-hmm. it look like maybe compared to previous years? Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.